Hello everyone and welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga. Kat Smith here wanted to wish all of you Happy New Year. May 2023 be healthy, happy, and prosperous for all of you. And we're kicking off the new year with a brand new episode with an old friend of ours, Lisa McBride. So if you have been listening to our podcast, you have probably listened to an interview that um, we've had with Lisa. And it turns out that her episode has been and still is um, the one that's been listened to the most. So we wanted to have Lisa back for many reasons. One, because we love and adore her. She is a dear friend. And she's also somebody that I have a um, close relationship with. She is more of a family than a friend. And she's somebody whom I respect and admire and really cherish and appreciate. But what I love about Lisa, she has a lot of wisdom and her wisdom is very real. It's non-pretentious. It's very straightforward. It's sometimes raw, but it's always very honest. So in light of New Year, we wanted to um, produce an episode about growth. And we've talked to Lisa about it, and it was a topic that we all felt very passionate about. So in this particular episode, we sit down with Lisa and we talk about growth and we talk about what it means to be Enneagram 8. And I really hope that you tune in and listen because it is an excellent conversation that I don't think you want to miss. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate you so very much. Enjoy. All right, just a disclaimer. We have some froggy voices this morning, but um, we're still here to talk about a brand new year and personal growth. And we wanted to kick off this interview just thinking about experiences in our life that have helped each of us to grow. And so I guess I'll start by asking you, Lisa, what's an experience in your life that's helped you to grow and to become more? Um, so probably the first was going to college away from home against my mainly my dad's wish. <clears throat> he wanted me to go to Erlanger Nursing School program and I said no um, and then that experience falling short I had to go back to plan B and get on track yeah my own demise um, the death of my 13 year old niece is when I really learned that things are not really fair oh my goodness um, she had a stomach virus that turned into viral myocarditis Oh. and cardiac arrest and I was I think it was my second year of college um, and then I married for fear of being left behind and then realized I was raising a child instead of having a partner so mm. being a single mom with a one and three year old and working two jobs um, I think forced me to look at who I was and what I was trying to do and what I believed in and and finally learning to stand up for myself when I got to my 40s. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that, learning to stand up for yourself. What did that look like when you... Wow. So something I'd sort of forgotten about 
and I think I was 40, I decided I would have my belly button pierced. Hmm. And my boys were so excited. They thought it was great. Mm -hmm. And my husband told me that it looked like trash and that I looked like a slut. Oh, what a shaming, awful comment. So I struggled with that and eventually took it out because more than anything, everything irritated it. Yeah. But then when I decided to have a tattoo after my mother passed away, um, I did what I wanted to without yeah. being told, being shamed or judged or... Yeah. So I think it's evolution of, I don't even know, I'm going to say emotional, spiritual, maturity. Um, it's, it's, for me, it's not an even trajectory. It, I mean, I still at times, even now, I'm almost 63, doubt myself. Like, and, yeah. Uh, but I have learned to say, what is it that you need for yeah. your physical, mental, sexual, everything experience for yeah. me? Without yeah. being selfish, without being, I don't know. I think I also say, am I hurting anybody? Am I hurting myself or anybody else? Why would I hold back? Why would I make that decision? So, Yeah. I think that that's powerful that asking that question, what do I need, can really be transformative and can lead to personal growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's but not easy. It's and it's not, there's not a book. No, no, no. And there will be people that want to shame us no matter what we decide we need. Mm -hmm. But listening to our inter internal voice and deciding to yeah. be who we are, that's yeah. part of personal growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Kat, anything coming up for you of what's yeah. helped you grow on the you know, journey? Before we started taping, I said, I'm <clears> struggling <throat> with this one. I think for me, it is a combination of a bunch of smaller experiences. There wasn't anything, one big thing. I mean, there's a bunch of big things that kind of, um, you know, propelled me to growth. And unfortunately, I think, and maybe fortunately, all those experiences are painful experience and I think that's where the growth um, actually happens but it's in essence it is me getting older and looking at what really matters to me and for me it's been relationships with people that I love and am I keeping those relationships healthy and thriving or am I destroying them with my own hands Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, uh, you know, you have to look at yourself and, and see, you know, well, where, where, where are my areas for improvement? Mm -hmm. uh, where, where, where's my struggle and where can I do better and or different um, in order to keep what really matters to me? Um, but, you know, I think if you look back, we all have experiences in our lives that are experiences of loss and hurt and shame and, you know, losing your parents, which, you know, happened to me and having my child um, a baby diagnosed with something really rare genetic that is not to be cured. You know, and from, you know, growing up in a Soviet Russia that is 
now seems like I have grown up in like a different universe looking mm-hmm. back in comparison to where my life is now you know to come into America to fighting for everything that I have yeah. clawing for everything that I have so it's just you know but I think it you know for the longest time I think what has helped me grow is none of us are so unique in pain and loss and grief and strife we all have that yeah and for me to understand that was a part of my growth that I thought it was just me mm-hmm. no it's everybody, everybody. it's mm-hmm. everybody yeah so I think also that helps you grow realizing that it's you know it's not just you it's yeah. people around you whether you know it or not or recognizing it or not and then you know listening to people who are much wiser than you and that's mm-hmm. you know Lisa is that person for me to you know I don't want to get emotional but like we were talking yesterday and she told me she did something that blew me away not because she did it because it felt like an impossible thing to do for me and Mm -hmm. I said if I can grow up and be like you that would be awesome yeah you know so things like that just doing things that are big yeah, that are hard to do out of our comfort zone. Yeah, I mean, so far and beyond, so far. And, and beyond. having people who mentor us and yeah. and show us that yeah. way forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about you? Well, so the first year that I lived alone comes up for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually a pastor in the British Methodist Church, so this was after graduate school. Um, I signed up to serve for a year Mm -hmm. as a Methodist minister in England. And I lived in a five-bedroom house by myself. And when I think about myself in college and graduate school, I was always with people, Mm -hmm. always with friends. You know, I never, ever truly lived alone. I was codependent in a lot of ways, a typical child of an alcoholic who just needed to be with people, but also to help them. And not that I wasn't helping in the context of being a Methodist minister, but they gave us six weeks vacation. And we also had like a quarterly retreat. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of time alone. I traveled alone. I went to Paris and went to the Eiffel Tower by myself, which was never how I imagined it. I cried a lot during that year. I missed my family. I missed my friends. But I also got comfortable in my own skin. Like, I learned how to be alone. I spent a lot of time reading. Um, It's almost like as we talk about the Enneagram, it was my first experience of being a two who was going to the four. Mm -hmm. He was learning how to spend time alone. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard for me, and it was really scary for me because I am a people person. But I did, I got comfortable in my own skin and that was a time of growth for me. So like I look back at that experience that was really hard. I was actually on the phone with my friend Gerald yesterday and he was like, you cried a lot during that year in England. And I did, like I did, I cried. Um, I would call friends and cry and miss them. Um, And I think my friends were worried about me. I remember my college friends like sent me like this beautiful scrapbook that they made for me and so like people were really reaching out and caring for me but I was alone Mm -hmm. 
And, um, you know, my first kind of big girl job and uh, it was hard, but I look back on it. The funny thing is when Gerald, my friend was telling me he cried a lot, I look back on it and I'm really proud of myself. Mm. Like I really grew a lot during that year. And so that experience of being really solitary was painful, mm -hmm. but that's where growth happened. And mm -hmm. I had a therapy uh, therapist during that year and I worked on my grandmother died that year and she was one of the closest people with me on the journey. Mm -hmm. And uh, I worked on uh, with a therapist on a relationship that had ended that had been kind of a friendship and romantic relationship. And so I really had to do some hard work that year, like just working on painful things, mm -hmm. but, I, but I did it, you know, and I did the hard work of therapy and being alone, being away from my family. And I imagine a lot like you moving from Russia yeah. to the United States was so hard, yeah. going to another country um, was really tough, but transformative. Yeah. So that's that's one experience of many yeah. on the journey, but it's just the one that came up for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, Lisa, anything else you want to say about experiences on this journey that have helped you to grow? I just think I find more clarity myself when it's quiet, mm -hmm. when I'm not so busy, when I'm... I'm not going to necessarily say still. I I love to bake, and that's therapy for me. And I made cookies yesterday, but I didn't turn on no TV, no radio, no nothing, just quiet. Yeah. Because that's also I feel really close to my mom when I'm doing that, and her the anniversary of her death is coming up. So it's very therapeutic, and the quiet forces me really to listen mm -hmm. to what I'm thinking in my head and. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times it's maybe to dispute some of those thoughts too, you know, yeah. if it's not really the truth. So, mm -hmm. just like Remy said, listen to the silence, it has much to say. Yeah, always. Mm -hmm. It's scary too, it can be scary, but mm -hmm. that's where growth happens, yeah. I think, in the places that are out of our comfort zone, and silence can be one of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, well, Lise, let me ask you this question. I know growth is hard and, um, you know, probably so much more important because it's hard, but why do you think people stop growing? So, for me personally and for people that I love dearly, that I, I want to feel like I know, maybe I don't know, but for me personally, fear Mm. Lack of being vulnerable, mm -hmm. being stubborn, mm -hmm. thinking I'm right, that I yeah. want to win the argument, yeah. uh, being complacent, mm -hmm. um, refusing to say I'm sorry, yeah. refusing to be a student. Mm -hmm. uh, I really believe that you know you learn something every day if you if you will let yourself, maybe that's about you, maybe that's a fact about, I don't even know what, but um, this is what, this I had written down in my devotional, so things that come up, I don't know when I wrote it down, I don't mm -hmm. know who said it, some people will judge you for changing, others will celebrate you for growing, choose your circle carefully, mm 
So I think the people that don't clap for other people, I don't want to be in their circle. I don't yeah. really want to be in your circle. I don't really care what you bring, but if you're not happy for me and cheering for me to be the best version of myself, then you're probably not really my person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the fear of, and I, and I got to see this with my dad. I remember my mom saying, she only, he only apologized to her a couple of times. One was when his mother died and he blew up over something. The gloves she was supposed to wear to the funeral, which I don't understand that. I think I might have been too. But I guess at the time, that was the proper something. And she forgot her gloves and he yelled at her. And then he apologized later. And the second time, I don't even remember, but she ve she very much remembered that he did not apologize. Hmm. I wonder if your dad was a one. For the longest time, and I've never met your dad, but I love listening to the stories. And I always thought maybe he was a three because he just worked so hard. Mm -hmm. But I also wonder if he was a one. Because I, str I struggle with apologies, yeah. too. You know. I'm not sure. I kind of thought from doing the Enneagram workshop that he might have been an eight. An eight. Very because similar, all three yeah, numbers. You know, very, he was the helper. He never turned anybody away. Yeah. He was a protector. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. He was not going to let anybody do anything to his family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he had a hard time yeah. with, um, I'm not going to say, not saying I don't know that, but not saying he was wrong about something. Mm -hmm. And he and I had a huge conflict. He was very, very hurtful to me. And I let it go on, and this was probably a lot of growth, mm -hmm. honestly, looking back. I think it took me two years to finally say to him, I need to, I need to say something to you. When you said that to me, you crushed me. Mm -hmm. And he was in tears. Mm -hmm. And I had not seen my dad cry hardly ever. I mean, he's the strongest person I've ever known. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> it took me a, a very long time to say, I'm going to say I was probably 42 or 3 years old. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, and, and he said, I'm sorry. You know, he yeah. said, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And but, so that's the bear softening and becoming the teddy bear, right? Yeah. And People yeah. sometimes do that as they age, and yeah. so there was some softening happening in him, and those yeah. tears, and, and his apology that yeah. was harder for him to do earlier on. Yeah. When he grew up, they were not allowed, and really, when I grew up, we like you weren't supposed to cry. I mean, it would be dry, mm -hmm. dry, that, dry your face up. Yeah. Don't do that. Um, but my dad, in his, I think he was one of fifteen or sixteen. Um, dad disabled, black lung, mom raised them, and they were, I mean, I remember my mom saying, you know, he, your dad got in fights all the time, and I mean, it was, that was his strong yeah. outer mm -hmm. survival. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Well, um, the poet Rumi said, set your life on fire. Seek those who fan your flames. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, 
And you've had a lot of spiritual mentors and yoga teachers and friends who've been fanning your flames on the journey. So tell me a little bit about those people who have inspired you and made you shine brighter. Yeah, so two high school teachers come to mind always. Um, they were very, uh, so Miss Adams was my biology teacher. Um, she was very pushy and um, like expected everything. <clears throat> Nothing less of what your your best was. Mm -hmm. The second one, Miss Beatty, was like bookkeeping and business. I don't even know. And maybe mm -hmm. she taught typing. I don't even know. But she's the one that went to my dad and said, "Let her go away to school. You cannot keep her here." I mean, mm. and and I would have never thought anybody would approach my dad. But I had talked to her about. So she must have been a senior teacher. Yeah. When I was trying to do applications and it's like I got to get out of here. I got to get out of this town. Yeah. And so those two people really uh supported me when mm -hmm. I was 17, 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how much impact they would make. Two adult Sunday school teachers. Mm. When I was really trying to you know having controversial issues with my husband over the way things looked. This was probably during the same time as the belly button piercing. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. there was an issue with me allowing my oldest son to get his ear pierced. Mm. And um, I remember discussing it in the Sunday school class with a lot of people that weren't as forward thinking as me. Mm -hmm. But the Sunday school teacher's husband and wife were very supportive. I mean, and I basically just said, I do not believe in submission for no reason. Right. I was taught to dig, my dad, dig your heels in if you believe in something. Yeah. If you don't and you're being stubborn, walk away. Don't dig your heels in. So, you know, I had to say to my husband, I will not make him take the earring out. Right. It's not a big deal to me. Right. But it was a major, it was major because of the way it looked. Yeah, keeping up appearances. Oh, goodness. Makes me nauseous a little bit yeah. to think about it. Yeah. And then yoga teachers, my, my favorite yoga teacher, uh, Dolly Starbrooks, who did my 200 mm. hour. Who's huge in the yoga world. Because yeah. she drove a diesel truck, drank bourbon, and smoked cigars. And I said, You're my girl. You're my <laughs> connection right there. Yeah. Um, Chrissa Kay, who's my counselor that I love because mm. she ask the questions that make me ask myself the questions. Wow. Yeah. And then my posse. Cat, mm -hmm. Sheila, Julie, mm -hmm. Toots, mm -hmm. Elizabeth, mm -hmm. Stacy. Mm -hmm. Showing up. Yeah. Uh, no judgment, but honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To the point of saying, hey, uh, what about, or did you think about this way? Or do you think you were wrong? Mm -hmm. And when your friends say that, mm -hmm. and you know they're not gonna hurt, they're not hurtful, they're, um, I call that leaning in. Yeah, leaning in. Showing up and 
that's my solid. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm. Here, here. Well, I think it's no surprise probably to those who've listened to any episodes that um, we've had you on that you and I have friendship, really close friendship, almost like a family relationship friendship. But one of the things I love about our friendship, and I was trying to think back when it started, you and I exchange a lot of book recommendations, a lot of show recommendations, a lot of everything recommendations. And um, I love, love, love that because you always recommend just the best books for me. But um, I want to ask you about some books that you personally love that helped you grow. And I just want to say, and I don't even know if you remember, before Enneagram, before any, any of this, several years ago and I want to say several several years ago you gave me a book you remember what was that book I don't know help me present over perfect yes oh that's a good great book it's at my nightstand still yeah and it I've read it I was like how did she know and this was just it blew me away and you said I think you would really enjoy it yeah and it blew me away and now looking back that's my kryptonite the perfection that perfection and it's you nailed it i probably just maybe didn't know you that well but i know that if i said hey do you want to do so and so then you pull out this calendar that is just (laughs) blows me away Mm -hmm. because i think and now I know that's how you have to manage mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. But I could see those things that were, mm-hmm. and it, it's that way for me too. Yeah. Do we strive for perfection or can mm-hmm. we just be right here? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I brought my two books. I think you've lent me one of those. Um, this book, The Magic Bridge by... Dr. Herbert Barks. So I'll start with that. I read it the first time in 2010. Hmm. Um, I had just become separated from my husband. Took this book, went to the Smokies, started fly fishing that weekend, and started reading this book. That's really when I started to journal as well. So the way he does it is... um, Read the write in your journal is a conversation. Read the book, whatever your devotion is, see how it speaks to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've done. I have read this book. Let me see. I'm saying four times. I've read it over and over, and I mark the highlights and what's going on in my life in a different color. Sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got a lot of roomy in here. He's got a lot of, he's a Methodist minister. He was also the headmaster at Baylor. Okay. I met him when his wife had cancer. She was one of my patients and got to know him that way. I've given this book to lots of people too. Um, Different thoughts, I think, but impactful. Um, This book, The Cinder, I was asked to edit from my oncology nurse perspective and I love it in that there's some sports involved I'm a very you know sports fanatic with football 
but the main character is a coach who has cancer and he's just mad at everybody and he just is a workaholic and he's not nice to his family and through his illness how his thought process in life softens mm. so I was really happy to participate in that and um, I reread that all the time and one of my favorite things from that is be where your feet are be where your feet are stand in your present moment mm. Mm -hmm. so so many times I'm thinking about what I did wrong and what I'm gonna say later and then I'm, lo I'm losing sight of right now mm -hmm. so the first one um, it sounds like it called you to a journaling practice and then the second one called you to the present moment yeah and we'll we'll list these um, you know yeah that'd be great online so that people can have access mm -hmm. to that yeah. but also present over perfect Shauna Nequist yeah. That's yeah. a really great book. Yeah, it's so a great we book. highly recommend that one. Stay tuned for a brief New Year's meditation after this word from our sponsor. Charles Dickens once said, A new heart for a new year, always. But unfortunately, in the world we live in, it's often more of a new body for the new year always. But the sage advice of the Enneagram is actually a new heart for the new year, a new body for the new year, a new mind for the new year, and a new spirit for the new year because the circle surrounding the three triads can represent the spirit. I invite you to join me in a short meditation and as always find a comfortable seat if you can if you're walking feel free to walk if you're washing dishes wash those dishes but find a breath in and a breath out breathing in breathing out How do I want to care for my body today? Breathe in and out. How do I want to nurture my mind today? Breathe in and breathe out. How do I want to attend to my heart space today? Breathe in and breathe out. How do I want to cultivate my spirituality today? Breathe in and out. A new heart for a new year, a new body for a new year, a new mind for a new year, a new spirit for a new year. Stay with the rhythm of the breath. And as we close this meditation, I just want to remind you that in yoga, there is a Sanskrit word, sankalpa, 
And that word Sankalpa means intention, resolve, or resolution. And when we come to our mat, we're setting intentions often each and every time because New Year's resolutions that happen once a year aren't as likely to make a dent. But this way of life of caring for our body, our mind, our heart, and our spirit daily, finding this daily rhythm, this is the way of the Enneagram. This is the way of yoga. Find a breath in and a breath out. Namaste and Happy New Year.